And we're live. Doc didn't try to mess me up today, so we will call that a win. All right. Well, hey. Before I was just distracted by more important things. Like the bottle of wine that you're sipping out of. But it's classy because she's I'm got a straw. a straw. She's a highfalutin wino. All right. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king. The sky is the limit and space is the place where we put the fun in dysfunction. Without further ado, let's introduce our guest, the one, the only, the lovely Miss Christina Gruel. So uh, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners? <laughs> <laughs> I promise nobody's been drinking yet, except for Doc, but she didn't stop. So it's not starting. So Doc has heard me introduce myself enough times and and panels to know that you just butchered the fuck out of my name. Did I get Christina right? <laughs> I call that a win. I'm I thought that would be easy. Am. I don't need to check beforehand. It's it's German, if that helps. Oh, I didn't spit enough then. Okay. No, it's Christina Gruel, you know, like the food with an extra L. Uh, so let's try that introduction again. I'm Christina Gruel, author of the In Blood and Fire series, and soon the expa expanded uh, Summerlight Universe novels, and... That's what I got. <laughs> so I, I have it on good authority from my um, from my German professors in college and in both my teachers in high school. It said, sound authentically German. All you got to do is spit a little bit as you talk and sound like you're really, really angry. That's the trick for German. Just sound perpetually angry and like you're about to spit on somebody. So, you know, I, I, if I'd have known to use that rule, we would have gotten it right. You know, but, that sounds interesting because when my husband is angry, he does spit a little bit when he yells so maybe maybe he's part german and just doesn't know it oh he is exactly half german down the line oh outstanding so i nailed it uh yeah. and if you want to send if the uh, legion of, of listeners over there in, in deutschland want to send the hate mail it is seska at blasters and blades podcast.com <laughs> Uh, she she wants you to to tell her all about it. She loves those letters. Tell me how much JR annoys the shit out of you. It's okay. We can we'll drink <laughs> we'll drink together over it. She will too. She'll drink to anything. So uh the next part of the introduction, dear listeners, how we first found them. So uh this one came through Doc where I meet all the cool peoples because she actually goes out and has a social life and talks <laughs> to people and pretends that she has feelings and stuff. It, it's weird how she does it. Um, they must have a, a good program on her AI for that for that model of uh, Android, but but she manages well. So, uh, Doc, where did you meet her? We actually did a panel together for CIFCON a, a year ago, and um, it was a wonderful panel. We had a lot of fun. We talked about uh, tropes, right? It was tropes. We were on two panels together. We were on did. two panels together. We did tropes yeah. and we did something else, and I don't even remember. I watched I remember. your panel, so I must have seen it. I remember so. after the panels, we spent a whole lot of time in the. We had spent a whole lot of time talking. There may have been some involved. There, there was some drinking involved because I think one of those was my last panel of the day. Yes. So we had, but we had a lot of fun, and I knew she just needed to come on the show and have some fun with us. So. 
Yes, we use the scientific method here to find our panelists. No. <laughs> yeah, basically, Doc stumbles into a bar and asks who the authors are, and whoever raises their hand comes on the show. Actually, typically, they find me. It's kind of weird. But bars we are involved. Think, I know that uh, much. We can thank one of your recent panelists for this, Amy Duboff, who yes. runs SIFCON and then somehow put together. us on panels together. <laughs> Because she knew that chemistry would be there. I think if she she listens to this, she won't ever put us on a panel again because she'll find out that we spend too much time with <laughs> No. She might we might do a panel with her then. She might just decide to join in the party. She might. We have a lot of fun. She's yeah. busy with her whole movie thing right now, trying to you know, know. mainstream an amazing movie producer. She's like a quadruple threat you know movies writing so much and just a general good human being it's completely disgusting how untalented amy is all right doc we got to decide if she gets to stay so you got to ask her the religion questions okay so total recall minority report or blade runner do i get kicked off for the wrong answer no jr doesn't have that kind of sway yeah okay blade runner that is awesome. You get you get bonus points if you know what the common thread in all those movies was. I have to admit, I don't think I've seen Total Recall. Well, there were two of them. The common thread is they were all short stories by Philip K. Dick that were um, made into movies. Oh, well, he's the author with the most hot, movies made because like there was a hot was. actor in one. So I mean. There was a hot actor in all of them, actually. Well, be then I know what I'm doing after I finish this novel. I'm going back and watching the rest of them. All right. So we got to have our priorities, I guess. <laughs> but, Doc, so, will, um, will Henry Cavall, or however you say his name, be mad that you're stepping out with other actors? Henry Cavill. I think he'll Whatever. be totally fine. He'll just so, play another mini for you? It works. Try not to drool. We got a podcast to do. You know what? It's okay. Don't bring up Henry Cavill unless you want to distract him. So, now, since we've done the sci-fi, on to the fantasy. Mistborn, Lord of the Rings, or the Wheel of Time? Wheel of Time! <laughs> no hesitation. I approve. Wow. I put Mistborn on there specifically because of a conversation we had. I thought for sure you were going for that one. Alan Mandragoran is my king and has my heart and soul and undying devotion till the end of time. So did you watch the, uh, um, was it Amazon that did the adaptation? Yes. Don't bring that shit up with me. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Next question, apparently. Jared, <laughs> insert your foot um, into your mouth some more. <laughs> get, we get can discuss air. that after the show get me off air and i'll tell you how i met robert jordan but uh we here at the blasters and blades oh you just you've got to listen to it again that's what happens when you're on the podcast with me no, I don't. so uh i don't do. consent well, also i had a bet with someone about how long it would take during this before i would put up my hair <laughs> someone should Mark the minute so we can see who wins this. It's obviously not me. So uh, <laughs> I'll write it down. 
755. So we here at the Blasters and Blades podcast like both the fantastical and the scientific. So which was your first love, sci-fi or fantasy? Fantasy. Okay. So what was your I first memory both, of though. Acceptable answer. So what was your first memory of engaging in speculative fiction as a genre? Was it reading a specific book, watching a TV show, a movie, playing a game? Was it Baby Yoda? No, I was just proving that I do love, you know, science. I was say, I would hope you found it before Baby Yoda came out, since you had a book yeah, out already. Yeah, no, I did. Um, so my first introduction, uh, <laughs> I was um, 15, and it was online role-playing. <laughs> so last year, okay. <laughs> I wish. Uh, yeah, it was online role playing, and uh, I I played a um, vampire with some questionable life choices. I think was all vampire vampire the masquerade by definition. Was it vampire the masquerade? Uh, no, dude. This was like the dark day. I'm fixing to like age myself here. So this is the dark days of AOL when like the you had to sacrifice the- robots to get online. We tortured the, it for yeah. Like, you know, you you did your, started your dial up and then you went and made yourself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and got a snack and came back, got comfortable, watched the thing, do the dial up for a little bit longer. And then you connected and then you had to get off the computer if someone needed to make a phone call. I remember. Yep. You know who else remembers? Remember. Pepperidge Farm remembers. I'm just going to put that out there for all you devoted listeners. So what is it you love about these? Why are you doing that, Doc? It's too early for you to be rubbing your head like you got a migraine. We're only are 10 minutes sure? in. We got are 50 sure? more minutes of this. Are you going to be able to hang on? I'm going to lay the shenanigans yeah. on the today. Yeah, no, but I do need to get some more mead before we do more of these. <laughs> <laughs> no, we really ought to get them to sponsor us. We talk about them all the dang time. I'm telling you. We're like a walking, talking AA meeting. Wait, now, okay. Now you have to say what the name of the meadery is since you say we talk about them all the time. I got memory issues. I have an excuse. You get to say the plug because they're in love with you. But you should know this is Viking Viking Meadery. Yes, Alchemist, Viking Alchemist Meadery. I knew there was Vikings involved. So uh, now we're going to get the long axe and make that blunt force segue. See what I did there? Yeah, that's what we call it in the biz. That's how you do it when you want to be professional. So what is it you love about speculative fiction as a genre? The escapism. The fact that you can go to another world or change the world that we're in in any way that you want to. Um, that That's what I really love about it is, is the escapism. Okay, that is an acceptable uh, answer. And uh, Viking Alchemist, so we are going to, it just popped up after we already moved. So your attempt to make me sound like I knew what the heck I was talking about failed miserably. There's it a always fails miserably when I try to help you sound like an intelligent human being. I mean, I speak fluent M16. Don't make me get mad. Yeah, you're, you're scared, right? You haven't qualified at the range in long enough. I'm not sure you even know what you're talking about anymore. I could play with those bras in my sleep. They don't teach it that way anymore, I bet. It's not It's not uh, politically correct. So 
breathe, relax, aim, slight, squeeze. So they either teach it as bras or brass to the ladies. It's an acronym to remember your marksmanship posture. It works. So many years later, I still remember. It's and not whether or not you remember. It's whether or not you still can. And I can close that dust cover jacket in my sleep. And I still could do it. I bet. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't yeah, touched yeah. a gun since I turned mine into the army as I left. You know what happens when guys get older? They develop disorders. <laughs> <laughs> they got pills for that? <laughs> they call them enhanced optics. <laughs> I did not uh, tell my grandma about this podcast. <laughs> it's so funny. Did we just beat Casey's answer? Because I think I might have. No, you didn't. But okay, I good, was then I'm good. if your grandmother is anything like mine, she probably said stuff way more scandalous. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, grandma's not watching this or listening to it or anything. <laughs> All right, Doc, you could pull this one out of the bag. You could, you could save it. Do you have it in you? Question 10, can you do it? I will beat you in your till to death. So, how did your love of speculative fiction did you did you didn't ask her what her first memory was? Yes, she said it. Okay, you did. Sir. How did your love of speculative fiction develop into your writing stories on this? This is why we just say no to drugs, people. Better women um, can modern pharmacology. <laughs> we broke Christina. <laughs> no, I'm trying not to say. I'm trying to behave slightly, at least just a little bit. Um, so my first role play stories, our first books were actually backgrounds for my role play characters, which I still have and will never see the light of day. <laughs> They're in spiral notebooks right over there. <laughs> and they are terrible. How much is it going to take um, to bribe your husband to get us those stories? Um, he knows that I will withhold sex if he makes me mad. So yeah. Oh. Okay. So a trip to Vegas is in order. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what Jared thinks he's gonna find in Vegas, but okay. Yeah. Jr. is family friendly, so Doc is gonna move right along. Yes, we are moving on to uh, real life experiences that influenced your writing. Do you have any? Um. <laughs> yes. Quite a few of them. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, so we'll start with the sad one first. Um, I was hit by a pickup truck when I was 15 years old and got put in a wheelchair for eight months. Um, and that drastically changed my life. I was a very physical um, person, always dancing or riding horses, and suddenly I was stuck. Um, yeah. So that's when I first really started writing. Uh, like I said, it was originally for my role-playing characters, but I built them this whole world to live in. And that's when my love for world-building really um, 
started. I, I drew maps, I made cultures, they were crappy, but it was it was a good fun exercise and and a lot of what I learned over the years while I was still crappy um, is the foundation that I built on as an adult. Um, my maps are a whole lot better. I don't know if you've seen them. Um, yes, but they are. You've shown me them, yeah, including one Don't tell anybody, but look at this thing. Yeah, um, I I hand drew my original map, and my cover artist turned it into something worth looking at on lot on uh, on my books. But this is the original. Wow. Uh, took me a little over a week to draw it. But uh, yeah, yeah, I um, I won't show you the the first maps that I drew. They were very terrible, and we don't need to see them. That happens. Uh, Everything's gonna start somewhere. I know we had uh, touched on the fact that my husband is a retired Navy officer, and I have definitely drawn on his experience and his uh, geekiness. One of his favorite wars, and yes, we have favorite. Everyone in this house has their own favorite war. That's that totally legit. We get into discussions about. And his favorite is the War of 1812, which had a lot of nautical um, elements to it, all of which he is very well versed. And I could segue into something dirty, but I won't from here. But all of those which he's very well versed. And um, I use those, you know, I, I tend to put people on ships and then have shit happen a lot. And so whenever people are on ships and shit is happening, I always go to him and ask him for the correct terms for things and whether what I'm wanting to do is plausible or totally batshit crazy impossible. So, yeah. You use him. That's fine. You're, they're supposed to be used. They like it. It makes them feel useful and yeah. loved. Oh, he's very loved. Okay, so that um, swings us into our, our next question, which was going to be, normally we ask um, the guests who happen to have been military veterans if that time, um, how that affects them. But while you weren't in the service yourself, you, you certainly spent enough time married to it. So that I would imagine um, that um, that would affect uh, the way you tell stories because you have an experience unique to a very small sort of community of people having been dependents of the military. So do you feel like that does, in fact, um, affect the way you tell stories? I do. Um, you know, I was very lucky that the second command we were part of after we got married um, was very close. So I am friends with not only the wives, but the service members and the CO <laughs> of of that command and uh they've always you know i was working on ashes when we were in that command and they were all very supportive of me um, i also met our sister wife through that one <laughs> wow because, did not yeah. expect that to go there <laughs> so um you know i'm sure that have y'all been on ships before up in the, I have. I was a Navy brat. 
up in the um, stateroom area. Right. So where, when you're a department head, you often just share a bathroom with one other person, which is nice. Um, our sister wife was one of only two female officers that were in the upper ranks. And she ended up sharing a bathroom with my husband. There were a lot of wives that were like, aren't you uncomfortable? No, I keep my man happy at husband at home. I'm not worried about shit. But <laughs> me and Emery became very close. She was actually the <laughs> she was actually the senior medical officer. And uh, if my husband wasn't behaving at home, like I needed him to, he was dealing with um, some medical issues. If he wasn't doing what I thought he should at home, I would call her. <laughs> and if if she needed the bathroom cleaned and he wasn't prioritizing, she would email me. Uh, we we capitalized toes between the two of us. And still to this day, we talk back and forth. We actually had like a two hour call just a week ago where we brought the phone was getting bounced back and forth from him to me. And we were all just, yeah. So she's, we call her our sister wife, um, totally platonic, but she is one of the most awesome people I've ever met. But it's really nice that I've had those people that I can ask questions and bounce stuff off of. And there's a lot of military people in my book, so it's good to have military people to ask questions. That makes sense. So you mentioned the military people in your book. When you write those military people in your books, do you draw on people you met while you were moving around the world with your husband as a Navy dependent? Um, so there's actually a character in my book that was based off of my husband when we were still dating. Actually, when we were friends before we were dating. I'm not saying who. So that'll leave it up to the readers to guess. And since you're not going to tell them, whatever they say is the right answer because they want it to be. That's the college professor. It's the right answer because your college professor said it was, even if they're wrong. Well, Wait, no, I, I argued with those professors. Never mind. I based him off of what the image in my head was before I'd ever seen a picture of him because we met on a video game and we're friends for four and a half years before we started dating. And for most of those four and a half years, I didn't know what he looked like. That happens. So yep. Doc's going to try to control herself. She's knitting again. It's her. I'm not knitting. She stabs the yarn so she doesn't stab me. It I am not knitting. Crochet? I don't know. I get those two mixed up. I'm not even. I don't even have anything in my hands. All right. We got to lay off the She's playing with her sweater. So does your, um, we've talked about a little bit about how your time in the service. I'm telling your mother. That's cheating. Uh, we've talked a little bit about how your time as a Navy dependent affects the way you tell stories, but has it affected the way you engage in stories as a reader or consumer? Um, a little bit, especially when I'm reading more contemporary fiction. Um, every now and then I'll, I'll get on a bent where I want to watch a uh, military-based show. Although what where it really 
fucks us up is we are on an NCIS kick right now, like the old show, the original show. And I have been a Navy dependent long enough and listened to him tell me things that I will point things out in the show either at the same time or seconds before he does that they've gotten wrong. I really, as no disrespect to anybody who likes the other ones, but there is only one NCIS in my world. The original. I remember when it was the spinoff show from JAG. Yes. I remember JAG. I remember watching JAG with my dad when I was Me in my too. Teens. Yeah. So he I actually, actually has met... them on CDs. See, that's I blame my parents for that because what not not only did we watch them but if they ever brought up anything political we then had to debate the politics with my parents on ZNN um so did you um you remember the character that played Bud <laughs> the character that played Bud's wife on the show I can't remember the actress's name she actually was one of the uh keynote speakers I guess on the USO tour when I was in Iraq so that was kind of cool we got to meet her and I was wearing the I remember because I was wearing my birth control glasses and she's like your wife was, must because I was you know wearing my wedding ring she's like your wife must really love you if he's still with you when you wear those and I'm like there's a reason they call them birth control glasses but the the funny thing was how tall she was she was taller than me and I'm five nine she said that the actresses that play that played Kristen Christina Bell I think um and, yeah. uh, and Mark Hammond um they were so tall that they just made everyone else look short uh, so she wasn't as short as I thought, and she has a nice right hook. We got to see that in action. So, okay, did you're she curious, aren't someone you? Or she she did. So that we were in line because you know you do the the arm around the waist, pose for a quick picture, next in line kind of thing. Well, they were doing that, you know, and signing stuff or whatever that people could send home to their families. And some uh, enterprising young airman decided he was going to grab her backside. Uh, and before the MPs could get involved, she had one to the left and one to the right, and boom, he's on the ground. So not only is he going to the brig with charges, he's got to tell them why he got beat up by a chick, a civilian chick at that. It was glorious payback. That's I awesome. laughed. It was awesome. So, all right, Doc, I will ramble if you let me. So you got to ask the next question. It's all your fault. I, it's not my fault. I asked about real life experiences. Oh, wait. No, in my defense, mind. I was left unsupervised. That's my defense for the podcast. I was left unsupervised. We're gonna, just going to blame Nick. Oh, yeah. He's not here. It's perfect. So, uh, exactly. I cheated that I, I only got two I, veterans and not three. I was promised three veterans, and I only have two here. So you have to he's have been oh, playing with the Coast Guard. Oh. See, Nick, she called you out while you're out playing with the Coast Guard. She's like, why aren't you here? Damn. That's what happens when the Army Ranger sleeps with the Coast Guard, I guess. We're going to get ourselves in trouble. Okay. The Department of Homeland Security is going to come looking for us. They're going to be like, we heard you talk about our friend, Nick. <laughs> You'll just have to have me back, you know, on another book. when. And I'll know, just smile and go, and that is part of why the Coast Guard is DHS. Not DOD. All so, right, uh, fandom questions, your favorite. Fandom questions. Have you had any cool fan art or a cosplay yet of any of your characters? I actually have had a fan. Um, one of my readers uh, is an artist, and I commissioned a piece of her art to put into book four. 
So it's going to go into book four as part of a newspaper article. It's really, it's oh cool. It's amazing. Yeah. So I had her, I was like, I sent her a couple of examples of Victorian line art for newspaper. <laughs> Don't do shit like that when I'm talking for, uh, you know, Victorian newspapers. And I was like, you know, something like this and what she came back with, um, you know, Victorian newspaper artists have nothing on her. It is amazing. Well, I would and hope not really captured all three characters that are in the picture. That is really cool. Um, is that something you have on my, it's up on my, I'm going to say it wrong. I always say it wrong. My, Patreon. Yes. It's up so, on there. I love link that in the show notes. Particularly when I do um my brothers and I were actually just talking about it. When I'm buying physical copies a lot of times, I really love those like details that for all the world I love my nook and and other ebook readers, they just don't come across as well as in a physical copy. Actually, in all of my physical copies, so I do a lot of um, sharing information via media. Um, I'm introducing newspaper articles, but I've got journal entries, and there's a lot of letters or mm. script stone messages, um, which is like uh, a telegraph. You know, so basically it's mated stone, so like you have one stone and I have one stone and we can send messages back and forth, but we can only send messages to each other's stones, not to other people's stones. Okay. So I do a lot of sharing information magically through those stones, but it takes energy and you can only send a message one letter at a time. So it's not like you can send a long, long letter. You're Two usually days. doing, yeah, it's shorthand. It's it's passing along the most amount because, of like, information. like texting back in the day. Yes. And if you want it, you better really want it because you got to hit that nine like three times to get the right letter. And then you pass yes. it. And, oops, I got to hit it a few more times. It's, you know, it's really Morris code with pulses of light. And so, like, you really got to want to send that message and you really got to want to receive the message because it takes a hot minute. So, and if we were doing that in science fiction, we would call quantum entanglement. But when you get the, I'm ignoring you. We don't do science fiction over here. So <laughs> when you get the physical copies, all of the letters and all of the script stone messages are actually in different fonts for the different handwritings of the different people that are writing them. So I, okay. I literally have a handwritten list of who is what font. Hey, you do what you got to do, right? So um, has anyone asked you for your autograph? Yes. Yes. I actually had to cut off the numbered signed copies at 50 for each book because it got so hard. I don't know why I decided that was a smart idea, but <laughs> I number the first 50 copies of each book that I signed. And it got so much of a pain in the butt to keep track of what number for what book I was at. And I was like, okay, I'm done at 50. <laughs> no more numbers after 50 for each book. 
So I, yeah, I've done enough that I've had to cut off numbering for, for books. Wow. Very cool. So what was it like the first time somebody asked you for your autograph? Um, so funny story. I published book one and, uh, the paperback and the ebook came out on the same day and I had ordered copies from Amazon, but they take forever to get to you for, as an author. Um, so I was like in here working on book two, doing some of the, I don't know, I was doing something bookish. And my husband called me into the office. He had ordered the book from Amazon as as like a purchaser of the book. And he was actually the first person that let me hold a copy of my own printed book. And then I signed it for him. That's so sweet. Yeah, he's pretty sweet. And he's got a really great voice. (laughs) You guys need a moment? I love it. Step out of the room. Okay, so have you spotted someone reading one of your books out in the wild? So I don't do the wild at <laughs> all. I'm, I'm, you know, we we have been doing the whole in the house thing for two years. Um, I'm I'm pretty high risk for COVID, so even though we're all vaccinated, I just don't go anywhere. Well, after a while, it becomes kind of a habit too. I'm fine. I don't have to wear a bra if I'm at home. I mean, it's a lot more comfortable. What but I have me seen, either. <laughs> I have seen. They are. You um, should, though. You really should. They call them bros. Didn't you watch Seinfeld? No, I was reading a book. <laughs> so I don't know why we're showing our faces on here and he's not showing his face. It's just that's another story. It's a long story, but part of it is he keeps breaking the cameras every time he puts his face on them. True story. Fair enough. So I have seen people recommending my books in reader groups. You know, someone will say, hey, (laughs) what should I read next? Hey, I think that counts as in the wild because it's totally unsolicited. So it's a digital wild. wild place. Uh, particularly if you've been on Facebook. Yeah, that's where I've seen them recommended multiple times, which was kind of like. That's awesome. Yeah. So what is the funniest interaction or weirdest, depending on it, that you feel comfortable sharing with us since you've, you've had since you've started writing? Uh, I've, I've had the usual, you know, weird people creeping up in my inbox. Um. <laughs> I think every woman who puts herself out there ends up with um, the Middle Eastern person that is a doctor who lives right next door to you that, you know. I love the incredibly Anglo-looking guys who try telling me that they're like a general in the military. And I'm like, so what's up, Lieutenant? So our not, I'm like, what's up, specialist general? And they're like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, there ain't no such thing as a specialist general. I just block them. But I did have, um, so the, the coolest encounter, I'll call it, is um, someone had recommended my books in a sub-special group for um, the Cosmere, one of the groups that kind of thought us, 
center around center around um, how Brandon Sanders Sanderson really addresses mental and physical disabilities and really uplifts them. There's a couple of groups that are based on that. And my books got recommended in one of those groups. And I ended up getting some organic fans that way. My favorite one is Andrew, who gets to show up in the books as uh, in, in book three as a, a guard. But he joined my Facebook group, joined the Discord, you know, was really getting involved. And I'm like, I don't know you. How did you find me? Because <laughs> at, at, at early on with Ashes, most of the people that were active in my group were people I knew. And so I was like, I don't know this guy. And uh, when the next book came out that he hadn't read, he messaged me on discord and was like is it okay if i message you with my responses because i don't want to spoil it for anyone else but i really want to talk about this and i don't want you to answer my questions i just want a place to put them and i was like sure and so he live commented his reactions every point of the book and it was it was just really amazing to see a some of like the the hidden things that he picked up on through the books you know, he will reference something that I alluded to in book one that happens in book three. And he's one of the few people that catches it. And he ties some of the prophecies to events. It's it's really cool. But when he was first asking if he can message me his comments, I kid you not, I ran through the house screaming unintelligibly, I have a fanboy, I have a fanboy, I have a fanboy, because I was so excited. <laughs> that this guy <laughs> loved my book so much that he wanted to to live reaction his comments you know his thoughts as he was reading it's really cool that is, that is awesome cool. all right so we're so, gonna we are gonna we're going no i was gonna do it because you always say the wrong thing so we are going to take a commercial interlude while JR shills for whoever will pay him attention. Um, <laughs> so enjoy this brief commercial and we'll, we'll be back with more. Fugitive federal agents Sebastian Vigory and Ingrid Castine, both sensitive to the ghosts that haunt the modern Los Angeles freeways, side streets, and alleys, are plunged into the supernatural secrets of the vast city and its history when a ghost-addicted Silicon Valley guru seeks to draw the lost souls of a million Angelinos into the creation of a predatory world god. Vickery and Castine may be old hands at dealing with the spirit world, but they've never been in a pursuit so deadly with the stakes so high. Forced Perspectives by Tim Powers from Bane Books at BaneBooks.com. All right. Thank you for sticking with us through that commercial interlude. I have so uh, suitably chastised Doc for her impertinent behavior. I have Doctor Pay accordingly. Me. You didn't even know the word interlude until five minutes ago. Sure, I did. I have a dictionary beside me. I know all the words. Prove I it. Just have to. I just next have thing to you know, you're going to say you have a calculator in your pocket. I do. Well, actually, it's sitting beside me on my cell phone. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. So, right, this is where we talk about everything Miss Christina Gruel <laughs> has written. So, can you please give us the Reader's Digest version of your uh, body of work? Uh, it, it, it won't take too long. I currently have three novels and two short stories out. 
I uh, owe my fourth book to my wonderful editor, Jen Macknell, on the 26th. And it will happen, come hell or high water. Uh, You've promised people now you have to follow through. Or else, oh, yeah. Or else we have to be nice to JR. So really, please follow through. I will follow through. I I hit uh, (laughs) 81,000 today. So only, you know, a couple, I don't know, a lot of thousands to go. Um, And then I have the two short stories. By the end of the year, I will have um, two more short stories and I think two more books. Yeah, that sounds right. Two more short stories and two more books out. <laughs> well, all of that sounds fascinating because there's so much to choose from. But today we're going to talk about From the Ashes, the first book in the Blood and Fire series, which I approve of the name. It's uh, suitably grim. Um, but where did you get the premise for this? Yeah, Doc likes to blow things up in the lab. So how did you come up with the premise for this universe? Was it uh, psychedelics, the Ouija board? Uh, overindulging in bad Navy galley food? Uh, This series was actually, uh, the world was actually um, realized before my husband and I got married when we were still just internet friends. So he didn't have too much input in it until later on. But uh, it was just, the, the main character started speaking to me and uh i i figured out she wasn't in our world and i had to come up with some shit. and uh, i started with um the main continents and, and countries in the world and just gave them all their own cultural identity their own religious identity and and kind of built it up from there i did a lot of the world building before i ever wrote anything in the world um, which I'm glad for. But the first book was actually written over a span of uh, six years while I was uh, moving all over the place. Uh, I was also dealing with a lot of health issues. So there would be times where I'd be away from it for like six months and then come back. It just got overwritten and overedited. And I finally got the advice to just put it in a box and rewrite it from memory and and i did that in a year and a half while my husband was deployed overseas so during his very last deployment in the navy um i wrote from the ashes from memory while running a house with three kids one of which is an insomniac and only sleep was only like sleeping three hours a day night whatever yeah we're not going to talk about my stories with that one yeah we can do that after the show um but it ended up we've done that we've bonded over that one already well you know it sounds like you've got some updated content that i'm not aware of oh my god paranormal activity should not occur in real life and by that i just standing in the corner of your room going are you awake yet no go away i can tell you some stories i I really can some more that you haven't even heard just ask me about turtle. <clears throat> so one of these days, people are going to wonder how much they have to pay to come into the after show and just listen to us talk. They probably. You know do. what? We can do that. I will do that if they pay for it. 
All right, dear listener, reach out to Doc. We'll we'll list the social media stuff at the end, and, and you can talk to her about this. She handles the uh, the scheduling and such. But before we dig into the story itself, let's uh, take a moment and enjoy this glorious cover. So can you tell us how this cover came to be? What it, What's the story of this? Because it's not the one you started with. No, it's not. Um, I was really, I really wanted the focus of the covers for series one to be Lenathena, who, who is the main female character. Um, I just felt like she deserved that spotlight. Um, she goes through hell and back and then back again and back again in this series um, with her beautiful purple eyes. I'm not sure if you can see those. Those are awesome eyes. Yes, they are. Um, it's it's a identifying characteristic of her female line. Um, the first in the first book, she starts out as um, as a princess, and this is on the back blurb, so it's non spoiler. Um, a princess who's basically being used as a bartering chip to seal an alliance, as many women throughout That's, the ages have yeah. been used um by their by their male relations in this case her uncle who is her legal guardian um she is one of only three legitimate heirs for her family's house that are next in line for the throne and you know he's he's like i've got the two boys i'm going to use you as a bartering chip and so she starts out um she starts out as uh you know as that bartering chip and and she's got to make her way in a new life so um i really just wanted her to be the focus of the cover the previous cover um was a little light and fluffy and i feel this one's a little more dark and moody and kind of really shows how the, the books are not light and fluffy <laughs> they're um, you know, you, you it kind of starts and you think, okay, I'm in some sort of political Victorian-esque story and everything's okay. And then it, it, it goes to shit about, her world goes to shit about halfway through the book. So That sounds like life. <laughs> <laughs> I had one person tell me that, you know, um, the second half of part two and then all of part three is emotional torture because he didn't think that the stakes could get any higher and then they did and then they did again and then they did again so what would your 30 second elevator pitch for this book be i know it's so hard <laughs> a woman bartered to another country and there's a mad goddess who thinks she's going to take over the world read my book that works i like it um so what do you think is it that makes this series special and unique in uh fantasy i mean fantasy is wonderfully filled with colorful um strong females but I mean, you and I've talked, so I know, but now you get to tell other people the answer. Um, it was really important for my children to be able, and I have nieces and nephews, nephews of two of color. It was really important for 
my for me that my children are able to see themselves in fiction. Um, that's one one reason why I kept saying she needs to be darker. Um, this the the young lady that's the the actress or the the cover model that is on on the books. I wanted her to be brown because my my daughter's brown, my niece is brown. Uh, this this girl looks like my daughter. She she'll hold up the book and say, "Look at mommy, it's me. I want this dress." Uh, I, I've screwed uh, good myself. Good luck making that dress. Yeah, I've screwed myself because she really wants every dress that's on Lenathena throughout the entire series. So and on now the she side, wants. You know what? You know what you'll wear for prom. Well, she wants the sword that's on cover five. And I'm like, we're getting that made out of plastic because I'm not giving you a metal sword. You're five. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is totally legit and fair. And I, but, I do and think that, there's, there's something to be said about um, showing the, our kids the, the type of people, not necessarily always who reflects who they are currently, but who we want them to be. And Lynathena is strong. And that's something that I wanted for my daughter um, and, and for, for my sons as well. But another recurring theme in my books is that family isn't always just the people you're born into. It's it's what you make of your life along the way. Um, Lenathena, you know, loses a lot of her family at a young age and then she doesn't have much left when we start the series and she really builds herself a family and and these group of women that she clusters around herself which um later get the nickname the she-wolf pack and i'm not telling you anything more about that but they're no, they're very well don't give us a spoiler well you don't know who's in the pack so you know, obviously these, the these... XY chromosomes. Wait, no X. They are. You're the scientist. XX is the ladies. XY is. The I team. know, and I realized that I got it backwards. I'm dyslexic. I'm allowed to mess up occasionally. The the ones with boobies are in the she wolf pack. Boobies. Yeah. Jared has boobies too. With <sighs> one exception, they 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 have an honorary extra member, but. Uh, you know, the, they build this, she builds this family for herself of these different parts of her life. And I really love that because I've done that as well. But the other theme, the other major theme of this book is people who have really crappy things that happen in their life and they have to find a way out of the abyss, out of the tragedy out of the trauma and they have to come to terms with not who they were before, but the new person that they are now. That got surprisingly so, deep. Which tropes do you feel your series really plays with and takes to heart? Um, strong women. And, and, and like I was saying, the family isn't who necessarily who you're born to, but what you make for yourself. Um, but also stab them with the pointy end. Okay. So 
we're going to talk about subgenres really quick because and we talked about it this a bit before the show because these are some very common subgenre themes within like the YA subgenre, but this is n- not a YA book, right? No. Okay. Because I just feel like as much as I love YA, it, it, we need to be very clear when it's not a YA, even though it deals with some of the same themes and tropes. So what trope, what subgenres do you th- feel like this from the ashes really fits into? Um, I identify it as gas lamp and political fantasy. Okay, um, so what's gas lamp really quick? For those uh, who gas- may not be as familiar. Oh yeah, it's it's actually a newer subgenre. The tw- the term was coined in two thousand six, so relatively, it's a baby genre. Um, I I often say that I have guns, sword, trains, and magic. Um, so it's it's the equivalent of the Victorian or the Edwardian era. You know, we have gas lamps and trains. Uh, weapon craft was extending to to you know better pistols that had better aim rifles um you had your sharpshooters that that was emerging um it's often second world fantasy or our world fantasy in an alternate reality that is actually one of the best descriptions i've heard of gas lamp i feel like we've interviewed somebody who wrote gas lamp but i can't remember who it is now uh, I can think of a couple of them, but we can do an entire fireside chat all about the wonders of gas lamp later. Um, yeah, Doc, get to scheduling. So Jr. is going to have to do a lot more of the household chores then if I'm going to schedule all all these things so quickly. So now on to the story itself how about your main character what do you think really makes them unique in the crowded field of fantasy you know it's really hard to have a unique voice in fantasy these days because as you said it's it's really crowded um she isn't your typical princess who just does princessy things She's very politically motivated. She's a florant. I'm not even going to try that word. Oh, she does a lot of charity. Yeah, that one. She does a lot of charity. Uh, <laughs> she does a lot of charity, but um, she is very interested in politics. She actually runs her. Well, that's a spoiler. Um, she's very. She does a lot of going to the House of Lords. Uh, sits and listens to the the debates tries to figure out the motivations behind different lords of why they want this passed, why they're proposing this. Um, she's a shaker and a mover. She doesn't just sit in her pretty dresses and sip tea. Uh, she's she's out there doing things and making trying to make the world a better place. Awesome. Okay. So um, were there any uh, especially memorable for you secondary characters? Uh, I really love Gavintar, who is her betrothed. Um, he, he's got a little bit of a past. I hope to have some prequel novels with him later on, exploring that past a little bit more. 
Um, he's he is a uh, a fun guy. One of the reasons that it is definitely not a YA is because he sheaths his sword on screen. If you know what. Ooh, wow. Mm. Yes. Well, Swat, never mind. I'm not going to quote that movie. Don't go there, JR. Just don't. For one, your accent is deplorable. Uh, the one that really took me by surprise, though, was Victoria. Um, we common, more commonly known as Tori. She was supposed to be just a secondary character who, you know, goes around supporting things and. Uh, she kind of said, bitch, please, and took over her part, her angle of part three and did some things I had questions about and argued with her about. And uh, she got her way and also did some things on the page that make it that way. <laughs> um, she is she is definitely a fan favorite. I have been threatened with murder in very gruesome ways if I do anything to her and oh my. her significant other. Uh, her and her significant other are are funnily enough the favorite couple in, in the entire series. They are one of the, the three favorite couples and everyone loves them. No one wants anything bad to happen to them. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know if it's the characters in that relationship though, are so nuanced and so just so interesting. Um, they were just supposed to be decoration and they took over. So there's always the general uh, general hospital option where you kill them off and then, oh, no, he was just in a hospital the whole time in a coma. He didn't really die. Yeah, as long as all that happened in one book, I think I would be safe. But my editor knows where I live and she's on team. I will kill <laughs> okay. Oh, my. Oh, my. I heard that in George Takai's voice. Oh, my. Um, so... And I can't do that accent either, so don't even don't even laugh. Uh, there's a reason I don't narrate. He has like no accent. He has a little bit of a a tonal. Oh inflection my! It's not an accent. Anyway, uh, so does your story have any bad guys that the main characters have to confront that you can tell us about without giving any spoilers? Yes. One of my funnest things to do is there is a character called the Watcher who is a Hathorite spy. The Hathorites are the bad people. And through two thirds of the book, no one knows who it is because all of my chapters, they change POV. So each chapter is in the POV of a different person. And at the top of the chapter, it says who, who we're with, where we're at and what the date is. So unlike a lot of fantasy novels, you don't have to guess how much time has passed from scene to scene. Um, it says it right there, what day it is. Um, and, and one of my favorite things is people trying to guess who the watcher is. Um, but there's, there's a couple of people 
that they tangle with um, in book one that make life difficult, especially Lenathena's life is made very difficult in, in book one. That and they're cool. all connected to the Hathorites and, and their mad goddess. Do you ever see the goddess on screen? Um, she is in the prequel novel, and then we don't see her for all of book one, and then she shows up in book two, and from book two on, um, we, at first, it's very small slices of what's going on in Hathor, and then we start getting more characters and getting a little bit of the broader picture of what's going on there. Neat. Not everything is as it seems. It never is. So speaking of characters and all the horrific things you seem to have done to yours. Uh, so given that, if you they met you in a back alley and they knew that you were Christina. <coughs> um, I know I mispronounced it that time, but I was trying too hard to sound angry. Um, but if they knew who you were as the writer of their universe, if they knew you know, that you had created the scenarios that tormented themselves, how do you see yourself faring in that dark alley? Oh, they would fuck me up because they're all very well trained in weapon craft. And, you know, I do have swords on my walls, but I, I can't use them. Okay. Oh, Doc yeah, can show you how to use your sword. <laughs> she used to play with swords uh, when she LARPed. I am very good. I'm much better with swords than JR. Now you're going to touch the uh, LARPing comment? You used to get so mad at that. It's not LARPing, JR. It's the SCA. No, it was much better to skew your masculinity. I mean, whatever. My Schwartz is bigger than yours. All right, Doc, carry on. No, it's not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. So, since JR is uh, unable to continue on with his questioning, uh, can you, did you have any scenes that you ended up deleting from the book? Yes. That you want to use for later? No. No. You just deleted them. You're like, never mind. This just sucked. Um, there was some stuff that was a little too graphic. Um, I was in a I can understand I that. I was in a darker place when I wrote them. And um, I was just very cognizant of the fact that if if someone who had certain experiences read that, it would be triggering. And I, it was, it was that just takes from the overall fun of the book. I get that. Yeah. So it was just as easy to insinuate things off screen. Yeah. Than it was to have a terrible thing on screen, but so, there are, are some stuff some things that I've alluded to on the page. Um, like I make reference to a certain battle where um, the Duke of Kilmarian did some fancy shit and he is known as the hero of that battle. And everyone wants to know the story of why he's the hero of the battle. Um, I've, I've mentioned Gavintar's past uh, that there's some stuff I want to explore there. There's also some female characters, um, especially High Queen Malin and her sister-in-law. And 
everyone's favorite, the Dowager High Queen Arisana, who, if you're picturing Maggie Smith in your hair head right now, you are pretty spot on. Um, everyone wants to know her backstory, her history. Um, she's alluded to some things, but she keeps it all very close to the vest, you know, very much like the Downton Abbey Dowager. Um, so I would, I definitely want to go back and explore her history and she's old. So she's got a lot of shit we could get into. Neat. That sounds very exciting. Is that so, something that you would uh, potentially put out there that, you know, those cut scenes and such for your Patreon members or your newsletter subscribers? I have uh, two short stories. One is like 10,000 words and one that's closer to 15,000 words that are free on my website right now. And uh, all you have to do is go there and download them. That's the spark and wildfire. The spark is set 20 years before from the ashes and wildfire actually dovetails events at the end of from the ashes. Okay. So there's someone who exits the page and from the ashes about halfway mm -hmm. through the book. Mm -hmm. And we find out what they got up to during the time that some other stuff was going on in From the Ashes. So it's definitely one to read in between book one and two, but you can also read it as a standalone. It's only got some mild spoilers. Okay. So can you tell us about the universe a little bit? I know with a lot of fantasy worlds, the... Per the universe is as much as a character as any of the protagonists, protagonists on the page. So um, what can we expect from this world? So the universe, uh, I call it the Summerled universe, and it is composed, was originally composed of nine planets. One had a, a cataclysmic event which wiped off, out all life forms on the planet. Okay. We will learn more about that one later. But there are nine different worlds. Uh, some of them have been alluded to in the books. Um, one of them we learn quite a bit more about in book four. Um, I call it Astaria, and it's where there do be dragons. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm in this universe, you know, while while I do have trains and guns in front and Redalon, which is the world where the In Blood and Fire series is set, there are other worlds that are in different stages of their development. So we may enter a world that's a little bit more technologically advanced. I have tongue twisters today. And then we may enter some worlds that um, are a little behind. We may enter some worlds that are under the water. So uh, it's it's a it's a really big universe, and there are going to be some overlapping things. Um, I have established that there are certain beings that are not tied to one world. So coffee beans. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. That does sound like a lot of fun. So uh, From the Ashes is clearly part of the series. I know because we said that in the introduction. There are currently four books out in the series in Blood and Fire. Um, but is their story done? What can we expect from these characters? 
So the fourth book comes out next month, and then there's the fifth book, which comes out later this year, and another short story that will wrap up this particular series. Um, there, There's a pretty big war happening uh, in the series, so not everyone makes it. There are actually only a dozen safe characters that I know they will not die. Uh-oh. Yeah. Everyone else is is fair game as the story develops. There are a few that I know will die, um, and I will be going into hiding <laughs> after book five comes out. Uh, but yeah, so there, the follow-up series um, for From the Ashes is Phoenix Rising, and it will pick up with the aftermath of those characters who do survive the war and how they're picking up the pieces of their life and moving on. Uh, so we will hear more from other characters. Okay. So we know that every literary universe has its own internally consistent rules of science, technology, and magic. So what can we expect from this universe that you've created? Besides the gunpowder, obviously, and the swords. Every world will have its own magical system. Um, they're, you know, they're, they will each have their own unique magical system, but there's the overlap, overall system that created the universe, um, the Aetheron, which we're just getting into, so I don't want to talk too much about that in book four is where we finally discover how the universe is made and that magical ability will be woven in and out of all the worlds at some point in each world's story uh, but each world will have its own magical system and then there will be a unique few people that have access to the aetheron so i can't okay. talk about it too much because i just no, we, we don't want to get spoilers. Uh, so of all the magic you have in your universe, what would you want for daily use? Healing. How would you abuse it? I mean, healing's a little hard to abuse, but I mean, all I, I can think of going into a barracks and, hey, who has a hangover? Um, I think that one of the, the things that I really touch on in my world is consent. Consent for things to be done to you, especially with the magical ability. It would just be really hard for me to not run around and heal everyone <laughs> without asking. Although there are most people that I don't think they would care <laughs> if, you, if I just walked up to them and, <laughs> and laid my hands on them and did the thing. But, um, you know, as with every magical system that is is believable, there you know there are limitations to my world, or you know to the magic in my world. You know, and healing, for example, you have to understand the anatomy of what you're fixing to fix it. Yeah. So you know, if you don't know how the different layers of skin and how they're structured. You can't seal a wound up. So 
Do you have any fantastic creatures in your universe? I, I was kind of disappointed. There was a perfect way you could have abused that power that you didn't even talk about. How can you? So they are. You, no. If there's someone you really don't like, you just kidnap them and beat the crap out of them, and you heal them, and then you keep beating the crap out of them. I'm too nice. How did everyone else not see that? Maybe I need to go back to the shrink. Uh, I hope your therapist is listening. That's all I have. So, anyways, do you have any fantastic creatures in your universe? Well, as I said just a little bit ago, uh, Bestaria is, is the home of the dragons. And when I wrap up um, the arc for from the uh, the In Blood and Fire series and Phoenix Rising, that's actually the very next place that I'm going to. But I think I'm going to give people a taste of what we have in store for us there in a few short stories before then. Awesome. So how do you go about creating those creatures that you've made? Or do you not want to tell us because it's too much of a spoiler? Too much of a spoiler to, to an extent, but I mean, dragons have been done in so many ways. Uh, you know, it's really hard to make dragons new and different. Um, I just give mine different personalities. Um, you know, I try and try and go for a little uniqueness. Uh, but yeah, I mean, dragons are pretty tropey, you know. They're, they're, it, it's really hard to make them new again. Although okay. uh, I, I think Katie Roberts does a very interesting job of that. I, I enjoy her. Her dragons are quite interesting. It's good to know. So when you're not um, using existing tropolicious, to use Doc's word, uh, fantastical creatures, uh, when you create some on your own, like when you're creating something new that, that isn't in every other book that's out there, how do you go about doing that? Do you let your nightmares inspire you? Do you let Mother Nature inspire you? Do you make it up completely out of whole cloth? I I do have one that we're going to visit in, in, in not Vistaria, but um, in Ithramiria's past. Uh, we learn about that place in book four, and I kind of made it the path that I would want to have. Okay. All right. So as this uh, interview is winding down, was there anything about From the Ashes or the In Blood and Fire series that you wanted to tell us, but but you didn't ask or that we didn't ask yet? There's something for everyone. You know, every book. <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Throat was getting dry. Every book's got battles. Um, <coughs> every book. It's has not battles. the Rona. No, it's not the Rona. I have really bad allergies, and we've been having that weather that's very common in spring for Texas, where it's like thirty degrees in the morning and seventy to eighty degrees in the evening, and it makes my allergies haywater. Uh, there's a character for everyone, um, someone that everyone can identify. I actually have more than 50 on-page point-of-view characters at this point in the series. Uh, and, and yes, there is a 
character sheet at the beginning of every book <laughs> so you know who is who and how they're connected to the other people um but there's there's something for everyone and uh in the end no matter what you've lost there's always something to be found in this world to live for to help you move on and and that's what the overwhelming theme and i think from the ashes is from is you know if you've got your people with you you can move on from anything you can you can heal from anything you just have to have that desire okay that's uh yeah i got you again it's okay you haven't even been drinking yet but um so before we let you go we'd like to harken back to what we would tell our listeners on our old podcast that uh please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms your reviews help the right readers find the right books so uh even bad reviews can help sell a book we've said it before i've bought books because of the one-star reviews it said way too much cussing and it feels like gun porn and i'm like dude sign me up i'll buy two copies uh so so share your thoughts and if you if you don't buy it from amazon and you get it somewhere else share it review it there share it with your friend start a blog review your books there but but tell people what you're reading and, and what you think about it um and that really does go a long way to help the authors that you like keep writing the books that you want to read so because uh editing ain't cheap and if you want that book in your grubby little hand you got to make sure they can afford to pay the pay to keep the lights on but uh now that i've done that and i've told you that dear listener yet again for the hundred and billionth time. Uh, Christina, can you tell listeners how they can find you? I am on Facebook, a Facebook group and a uh, Facebook page. I'm actually most active on Discord. We have a Summer Led Universe Discord server. I can be found there most days. I often uh, do my writing sprints there so you can actually keep up with how close I am to getting to your next book out uh instagram TikTok. uh i have a twitter i don't use it don't bother um and then uh i do a weekly email uh where i kind of tell you what the fuck i'm up to and i give you a picture of my dog who doesn't like dogs Two dogs yeah my but, i have um, a 90 pound lap dog that is called lando calrissian and his 50 pound sister who is Leia Organa and I share pictures of both of them and tales of their misdeeds. Uh, I can get behind that. The puppers rule the world. So you can find, as usual, dear listener, all of her contact information will be in the show notes below. So take a time to, to read through those. We, we spent all five seconds to format that and auto copy and paste every episode. So um, you can also find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email the show at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Doc wants to hear all about why pineapple does not belong on pizza and tell her that she is wrong. It will help set her straight, save her from her own heretical thoughts. Uh, you can also join us on Facebook where we're a group where all the shenanigans happen at facebook.com backslash groups 
backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. Again, backslash groups, backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. Over there on the Facebook, we have a website, anchor.fm backslash Blasters Tech and Tech Blades. Anchor.fm backslash Blasters dash and dash Blades. You can support the show also on our website, much like a Patreon model for as little as 99 cents a month. You can help keep the lights on over at anchor.fm backslash Blasters, Tacky, and Tack Blades. And finally, as you read at the bottom of the screen, you can support the show at buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Handley. Buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Handley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast, and I promise I will keep Doc Seska and Nick Garber duly intoxicated. They will drink until their liver surrenders. Never surrender. Ever. Once more with more enthusiasm for the people in the Never back. surrender. All right, Doc, bring us home. So thank you for supporting the show, spending some of your precious time with us. For the absentee, Nick Garber, who if he doesn't show up more often, I'm just going to drink his share. Um, J.R. Handley, I'm Seska. This was the Blasters and Blaze podcast. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place, where we indulge your love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, things that go boom, and of course, pineapple on pizza being the best.